Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. We're on the Bible. Open your Bibles. And uh, turn with me to Second Chronicles. Uh, chapter 13, I'm going uh, to read from. It's good to see all of you tonight. I think the best looking crowd comes to the night service. Because you've had all day to get ready, you better look good. <laughs> Some of you, that's no joke, hey? You've been like, I've been working on this all day. I want to read this. Um, I'm going to read part of a story because um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, long, uh, a long story in... It's really the whole chapter of Second Chronicles, chapter 13. And it's the story um, of a guy called Abijah. Many people don't know a lot about There's not a lot about Abijah in the Bible. But uh, I'm going to read this uh, part of this story. I'm going to go from chapter 13 and verse 3. Just try and follow as best you can. I'm just going to skip through a few things for sake of time, but... Abijah 3, what's happening is he's coming ready in battle, about to face Jeroboam. And it says, Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men. Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. Then Abijah stood on Mount Zerum, whatever, which is in the mountains of somewhere else, and said, Hear me, Jeroboam, and all Israel. Verse 5, Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by covenant, of salt. Skip down. He continues to talk to them. And in verse 10, uh, in verse 12, sorry. Now look, God himself is with us as our head and his priests with sounding trumpets to the sound the alarm against, to sound the alarm against you, O children of Israel. Do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers for you shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them. So they were in front of Judah and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was both front and rear. And they cried out to the Lord and the priests sounded the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hands. Finally, verse 18, thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. I want to tell you that we serve a God that you can rely on. We serve a God who is faithful. We don't serve a God that is just is just pretty going to church and it's nice to sing sing songs to God. We serve a God who has some depth, a God who has some 
stability, a God who has a history of being faithful. You serve a God that there is story after story through His words of His unfailing faithfulness to His people that would continue to trust in Him. He is a faithful God. He's a reliable God. In uncertain times, we serve a certain God. And this story, it's an interesting story because this story is different to other battle stories. The Bible's full of so many different stories of great battles. But this battle is a little bit different because what you have here, you have the children of God have actually been separated. They've been divided. The tribes have been divided. Ten of the tribes have gone up and become the northern tribes. And two of the tribes have remained and become what they called the southern tribes. The northern tribes had actually rebelled against God. This is the people, the children of God. And there is a separation Jeroboam is king of the northern tribes and Abijah at this time is king of the southern tribes. So you have the children of God that are now divided and there is a division within the children of God and now they're fighting against each other. And what happens is in this story that I picked out a few parts of it, but Abijah comes out and Abijah gets 4,000 men to get ready to go into this battle. The Bible says that he set them up. He got them ready. They polished off their armour. They got pumped to go into battle. They went and stepped out into battle only to find that the opposition, Jeroboam, had 8,000 men. How many know that the, the, despite the odds being against you, if God's on your side, you're, on the winning, you're in the winning side, on the winning team? So he goes out and the Bible says that he gets all pumped. They've got 8,000. He's got 4,000. But what I like about Abijah, Abijah starts talking trash to the enemy. If you read it, and we'll pick out bits of it, but it goes through most of chapter 13, is Abijah talking trash to 800, I'm sorry, for he had 400,000. They had 800,000 soldiers. And Abijah, the Bible says, when he sees all of the soldier, dude runs up on top of the hill and starts talking trash to them. You go and look at it. He starts saying, don't you know how good our God is? I know you've got 8,000 and I know we've only got 4,000, but don't you know how faithful He is? Are you stupid coming up against us? I love it when you see a short guy talking tall. I love it when you see someone that in the natural, they don't really have it all together, but they're talking like they do. This guy gets up and he starts speaking out, like talking trash. And, but look at what happens while he's talking trash to them. The Bible says that Jeroboam's army split. And half the army sneak around behind them while he's talking trash. And it says in the story that when he stopped, it said to his surprise, he turned and now not only there was a battle in front of him, but now there's a battle that's come around. Now it's moved and it's split and it's divided. Now there's not just a battle in front of him, there's a battle now behind him. 
And the Bible says that when he gets caught in the middle with the enemy coming from all sides, it says that him and his army, these 400,000 men, it says in this moment of difficulty with the enemies closing in around them, he begins to shout. The Bible says they shout out to the Lord. And it says God moves in their favour and obliterates the army that's both in front of them and behind them. And then it says at the end that God moved on their behalf because they relied upon their God. Trusting in God. In the middle of difficult odds against them, believing and declaring that God was still able. Even in the middle of difficulties and circumstances coming at them from all sides, they continue to trust in their God. The thing that, one of the things that stood out to me early on as I was reading this scripture is the fact that these were all, as I shared, this was all the children of God. They had just split and they had divided. He was not coming out, coming up against other battles where they were fighting Egypt. And his dad had some battles against Egypt. Other battles that where there is an external force coming at them. But in this story, they're fighting against themselves. I've found that in my life, some of the biggest battles that we actually have are not battles against demonic forces, but it's battles that we have within ourselves. It's, it's our own fears that we're fighting against. It's our own insecurities that we're dealing with. It's our own doubts and unbeliefs. It's not always, not every single battle is necessarily a demonic force in your life. Sometimes I think we give the devil too much credit. We credit every single challenge we go through to the devil. He's not that good at his job. Some things that we go through, we actually are going through it and it's just ourselves. We have to stop sometimes giving the devil credit and blaming the devil for everything and take responsibility for our own life and say, you know what? I don't think this is the devil. I think this is just me being stupid. I think this is me. Sometimes we've got to learn what it is to actually talk to our flesh, man, and say, you need to just shut up. I'm not going to give in to you. This is not the devil. This is not some demonic spirit. Just learning what it is to have some basic self-control. Just talking to your flesh. Paul put it like this. He said, I die to my flesh daily. We got to know what it is when we're coming up against things in our life and facing battles in our life. Not every single battle you face and not every single difficulty you face is necessarily an external attack. Sometimes it's just learning what it is to say no to the flesh. Learning what it is to say, you know what? You're not going to get every single thing that you want to get. You're not going to be able to do every single thing that you want to do. It's just learning just some basic. I think what time, sometimes in church, we over-spiritualize everything. Pastor, the devil's coming against it. No, no, he's not. 
Now hear me, hear my heart. I understand that. Yes, we go through attacks. Don't worry. Listen, there will be plenty of times when the devil will come and attack you. But I think sometimes it's just making a decision. Say, you know what? I'm just going to make a decision that I am not going to act this way. I'm not going to speak like that. We blame it all on the devil. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. That was you. That was just you being an idiot. Stop it. Zip your mouth. Be slow to speak, quick to listen and move on. Don't make it some big crazy thing. Dude's coming saying, oh, it's the spirit of lust. No, it's not. Just keep your pants on. It's not a big deal. Just learn what it is to say, you know what? I'm going to practice some basic self-control right here. I remember I was a youth pastor for 10 years and I'd meet with, with young people. They'd come in and a couple would come in and come into my office and say, we need to talk. You always knew what, you know, you always knew what it was about. And then they'd come in and say, oh, Ben, we messed up. So, you know, Tom, I said, well, we messed up. We just, we just wanted to talk and just hang out. It's two young kids. They're not married. They're dating. I said, well, t- you know, tell me what, what's going on. I said, well, we were just going to talk. And so, you know, we went. I went over to her house and her parents weren't there. Uh, bad move. If I can help you out, kids, and just spell it out for you real basic. Don't be an idiot. Uh, the parents were not there. And so we thought we just, we had some things that we needed to just talk about. We just, we just needed to do, we needed to just connect. We just needed to connect. So I went into her room and we sat down on the bed and we just, we just wanted to just turn the lights out. And then one thing led to another. And then Pastor Ben, you wouldn't believe it. I'm telling you, Pastor Ben, in this spirit of lust, it came upon you. No, it didn't. That was you. That was the battle within. Why? Because you just, listen, I'm not trying to be, be too harsh, but it's just plain stupidity. Make some decisions in your life to say, you know what? Life is hard enough dealing with all the things we've got to deal with and attacks that we are going to face. Don't make the devil's job so easy by just doing dumb things. Look at someone say, don't be dumb. It's just about, sometimes it's just, sometimes the difficult things that we face, it's just the battles within ourselves. This is what they were facing. But I like what Abijah does in this story. Abijah knows because he knows that Jeroboam has 10 tribes and he's only got two. Jeroboam knows that the odds are radically against him. Uh, Abijah knows rather that Jeroboam, the odds are radically against Abijah. But the Bible says that Jeroboam, that Abijah, sorry, the Bible says that Abijah set the battle in order. Do you know what that means? It means he made ready. He ordered. He prepared to go out to battle even though the odds were radically against him. It was not something that he just sat at home and prayed about. He prepared for what he was praying for. He set up to walk in a victory. He set up. He said, man, listen, I know we've only got 400,000 and I know they've got 800,000, but we're going to get ready for a victory. We're going to, come on, it takes some faith. 
to start to act like and start to set things up right in your life to prepare like you're believing that God's about to move on your behalf. Start to get ready. Start to prepare. Start to act like you believe the victory is coming your way. If you're believing for a job, if you don't have a job at the moment, don't sit home all day in your pyjamas playing Xbox and eating Twinkies. Get up early in the morning. I dare you put a suit on and start saying, God, I'm getting ready because I believe there's a job coming my way. Start preparing. If you're a single person, I know we've got some young people here. Start preparing yourself to get married. Too many single people, they jump into the marriage season prematurely and then start to go through all these battles and all these challenges because you didn't prepare yourself during your single years to be a married person. Now you're going through the difficulties you are in your married life. Prepare yourself now. Get ready for what God is about to do in your life now. What it's really talking about is coming with some expectation. I love to picture Abijah talking to 400,000 men. How do you motivate? How do you motivate 400,000 warriors that are about to go into a battle against 800,000? Talk about coming with some faith and some expectation. Maybe that's how you feel sometimes just going to work in the morning. Maybe that's how you feel sometimes just getting up each day. You've got to come with an expectation. I love to picture Abijah going to these men saying, guys, listen. We're going to go out and we're going to smoke these dudes. I know there's double of them. That just means you've got to all kill two each and we're going to be good. It's going to be great. We're going to go out. It's going to be awesome. We're going to walk in victory. God's hands upon us. He's guiding us. He's directing us. He set them in order. He prepared them to walk in a victory. This is sometimes what we've got to do and how we've got to sometimes even just talk to ourselves. Speak it over ourselves and say, come on, you got this. I know the odds are against you, but the odds have to be against you for God to do a miracle. Because if the odds were for you, you won't be able to get to the victory in the end and call it a miracle. It's only a miracle when the odds are against you. He set them in place. He said, guys, we're doing this. We're going to go for it. Prepare for what you're praying for. And then he begins to talk to them as the, as the 400,000 are there and 800,000 are there. Abijah runs up and stands on a hill and starts to speak to the 800,000 soldiers. He says this to them. He said, should you not know in other words, don't you understand that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever? What he's saying is he's actually quoting to them. He's referring to a promise that God gave to David back in 2 Samuel 7 and verse 12, if they can put it up. God says to David, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It goes on. But he, basically what Abijah is doing 
is he stands up and he speaks over these 800,000 men that are coming against him. And he says, don't you know that I've got a promise? Don't you know that over my back in 2 Samuel, there was a promise that's been declared over my life? Don't you know that I'm walking in a promise and you're coming out against me thinking you're going to walk in victory? I want to stir your heart this morning to tonight, church. Even though the odds might be against you, if you know the promises of God over your life, you can look all hell in the face and say, don't you know that I have a promise over my life? Can you run? Can you fight off simply a promise? Can you fight? Off a word, I remember, and I think I've shared this story before last year, I think to one of our morning services. But I remember when Caressa and I, we were, we were trying to get pregnant and, uh, and we, we couldn't get pregnant. And it was, it was a challenge and Caressa was, Caressa had, has had some, some health issues when she was younger. And so it was a difficult season for her. It's always sort of been one of those fears, you know, that it wouldn't happen and so when, you know, we had, she had, had done a couple of tests a few times and kept coming back. No, she wasn't pregnant. No, she wasn't pregnant. Again, no, she wasn't pregnant. And it was during, um, it must have been during, uh, well, it was a year ago, a bit, 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 bit more, longer than a year ago. And, uh, and we, were, uh, we were praying and, and we, were, we were on a fast and, and we're praying and just believing. And, uh, and just declaring it, you know, and every time Cressa, she would check that, that little pregnancy test and come back negative. And it was always this battle time for her. And then she would keep praying and, and keep de- declaring it. And we were fasting. And I remember we, were, we went to this, this um, smoothie, smoothie shop that was nearby here. And uh, we went to get in there to get smoothies. And I said to Cressa, and, and we, you know, you, we go in here. And, and I said, you stay here and you get the smoothies and, and I'll go get coffee. And uh, because caffeine's from heaven, and and so we, uh, I went and got um, went and got the coffees. And I left Caressa at the smoothie place, and and I went and got the coffees, and I came back to the smoothie place. And as I'm walking up, I see Caressa standing, and she's standing in the middle of the smoothie place, and she's holding two hands of one of her divine leaders in the smoothie place, and they're both standing there crying, tears coming down their eyes. And I thought, oh, dear Jesus, this is, I thought this is either really good or really bad, you know. And, uh, and then a divine leader walked out as, as I was pulling up, as I was walking up. And, and uh, I said to Cressa, what was going on? And she said, that is so crazy. And I said, what? And she said, she began to tell me what this divine leader, one of her divine leaders had said to her. One of the divine leaders, had, when she saw Cressa, she said, listen, Cressa, I want to tell you something. God gave me a dream. And in the dream, I woke up the other night and in the dream, I had a dream of you and I had a picture of you standing there and I saw this blue light surrounding your womb in the dream. And when the Holy Spirit showed me this, I said to the Lord, I said, God, if you want me to tell this dream to Caressa, I want you to randomly cause me to just bump into her randomly. If I bump into her randomly, then I will tell her this dream. So, of course, this leader, God had led her. She, this leader had never been to, in this smoothie shop before. Smoothie store. She walks into the smoothie store and there's Caressa, my wife, standing, her, standing there. So she tells Caressa, said, look, this is the dream I had. This leader didn't know what was going on. Caressa told her and said, look, me and Ben, we've been trying to get pregnant. 
and I've been asking God, my dream, I've always wanted to have a little son. And I've been asking the Lord for it. It hasn't been able to happen. And so she shared this word, this promise, if you like, from God. This was what I saw. And we walked out of that after Cressa told me that. We walked out of that smoothie storm. Cressa still got tears streaming down her face. And she said, God is so good. God is so good. And the car was this way. And then she walked on. She started walking off the other direction. I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to get some food. I said, well, hang on. We're still fasting. And she said, no, you are. My fast is over. I just got my promise just then. She said, I'm going to go get some food. You keep fasting. I want to tell you something. Because I said, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. We're not pregnant yet. She said, it doesn't matter. Because I just got my word. And I know what it is to believe. The question is, can you believe of just one word from God. Can you get one promise from God and declare it over your life as though it is a done deal over your life despite what you perhaps do or don't see in the natural? Believe off a word. Abijah declared it over these 800,000. He said, are you crazy? Coming up against us. I love how he knew how to talk to the enemy. Some of us in church, we've got to learn what it is to trash talk the devil over our lives. You've got to learn what it is to look hell in the face and say, who do you think you are? Coming at me, coming after my family. Because what Abijah starts to do is he starts to speak over them. He starts saying to them in verse 10, but as for us, in verse 9, he's speaking to them about all of the wrong things that they're doing, about all the golden calves that they're worshipping. In verse 9 and then in verse 10, he says, but as for us, the Lord is our God and we have not forsaken Him. And the priests who minister to the Lord and the sons of Aaron and the Levites attend to their duties and they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. And he goes on and on. Essentially what he's saying over the enemy is we serve the Lord. You don't. We trust in God. You don't. You got to know what it is when you feel like all hell is coming against you. You've got to know what it is to draw down on what is your God that you worship and your God you serve and say, hang on, devil, I'm a praying person. I'm a believer. I'm a worshipper. I declare the Word of God over my family. Who are you to come against me? I believe that God is going to deliver me and God is going to restore. It's knowing what it is to speak over your enemies. To speak over the things that you're facing against. Knowing what it is to talk tall, even in the middle of difficulties. It's one thing to talk faith when the battle's already been won. But this is right in the middle of it. But then look at what happens. As he's speaking, the, the army splits. Half goes around behind him. And half's in front of him. In fact, the story says that it, it actually caught him off guard. I think sometimes it's not the battles that we expect that knock us off our feet. It's the ones that we don't expect. It's the ones that just seem to come out of nowhere. 
that if we are not grounded in who our God is, because at the end of the story, it says that they won the battle. It says that God delivered them. Why? Because they relied on the Lord their God. If you, don't, if you are not somebody that relies on God, it'll be the unexpected battle that'll knock you off your feet. And then you catch yourself saying, I never thought, I didn't think this would happen to my marriage. I didn't think that I would be this age and still single. I didn't think that my kids, I thought everyone else, I've heard of kids running away from God, but I never would have thought that my kids, that I raised in church, that my kids that I prayed over and spoke the Word over, I never would have thought that the battle would have shifted and just got me from behind something that I didn't expect. It's the unexpected, the unexpected things. I was thinking of David in in Psalm 3. It's it's an amazing psalm, but Psalm 3 and verse 1, David said, Lord, how they have increased, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are those, many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help. For him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with a voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and sleep. I woke, for the Lord sustained me. When you're surrounded, God will sustain you. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David, what David's speaking about in this psalm, He's actually talking about his son, Absalom. Where his son, if you, if you read back and you read about his son committed treason against his own dad. Sometimes the biggest battles I think that we face, the hardest things rather to journey through, are when attacks come from people that are so close to us. It doesn't matter, it doesn't bother us so much what, you know, just some random says, or just some, some stranger that you don't know says. But it's a different thing when those that are so close to you, when it's your own flesh and blood. That's where it almost, this is what David is talking about. He's talking in regard to Absalom, his own son committing treason. And he says, it's like it surrounds me. They're the types of battles where you feel like it's coming at you. You feel like the one thing is coming at you from every angle. It hits you. The one thing, it actually hits you on all sides. And you feel like it's all coming in all around you. But what I love about Abijah in this story, if ever, 
If ever you could understand somebody freaking out, it would be the story of Abijah. When the battle splits and now what you're facing in front has split and now it's coming from behind as well, that would be, we could all understand freaking out. But the Bible says that Abijah, right in the middle, you know what's great when the battles are coming at you from every side? Is there is nowhere to look except up. That's what's great. That's what's good. Because you got nothing else. If the battle's coming from all around you, it means everywhere you try and turn, there's a battle. Which pushes us to just look up and say, God, I can't go here. I can't go here. I can't go here. But I can go there. And that's what Abijah did. And the Bible says that Abijah looked up. I love it. He didn't even know what to say. So the dude just started shouting. Come on, if ever there's a reason, if ever there's a moment where you start to stir some faith, I read that and I thought, man. Those moments where it's coming all around you. You ever prayed those prayers or tried to pray those prayers where you don't know what to say? I know I have. Pray those prayers where you get with God and you just say, Lord. God, I need your touch. God, I need your presence. And Abijah, he starts to lift up a praise in the middle of the battle, crumbling all around him. He starts to lift up a praise. And the Bible says that God came and moved on his behalf. Why? Because he relied upon God. Do you trust in Him? When all hell is fallen, is, is coming at you from every single angle, every single side. We've got to trust God. I trust Him. I can't explain it. I've tried to explain it to people, even Christians. And I'll say, but what about this? And what about that? I don't know. I, just, I trust in Him. I just trust Him. I can't explain Him all the time. I don't understand everything, but I just trust Him. He's that rock that I can just stand on. When I need someone to hold me up, He's the one that holds me up. When I need that comfort, He'll come and He'll fill me. When I need that little push, He'll come and He'll get behind me. When I need that lift up, He'll come and He'll pick me up. I just, I just trust in Him. And when you can trust in Him and declare His goodness over your life, He can move on your behalf. But he's looking for people that will trust in the Lord their God. What does it say? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He's going to set your path straight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I know that God loves you. God is for you. And you can trust in Him. Right across this room, want every one of us to stand up. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.